0: And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall joined us all as one well, crew. RB Serial Killer and traveling Gene. Gene is coming to us live from Norway. What the hell, Gene? I, I, as welcome. we all say, the ro- the robot money must be pretty good.
1: Greetings, greetings. It's uh, six o'clock at night in uh, in outs- I'm on an island outside of Stavanger, Norway, and um, I got to tell you, man. Living's pretty good out here. Flew into Oslo yesterday, drove eight hours today. Um, Sitting out on this deck, looking out over the uh, fjord, and um, I can't complain. Going to go hike um, Pulpit Rock tomorrow, and uh, I've got three hikes uh, planned for the next three days, and then off to Bergen, another hike. Then I'm back to Oslo, flying down to Madrid, and a week in Sevilla, where I'm going to eat and drink like a Spaniard, eating ham. Looking forward to it. So, what are we talking wow. about? I, is this a golf podcast or what? It's
0: a travel podcast now, because you're you're in Norway. RB was at Memorial. Chris is in his car. I'm at home.
2: Uh, as, as we're recording, I'm, at, the- I'm in a rental car. To
0: you were in a rental I car.
2: Mean, I'm in a, a rental car. A- you back in Boston. Not in Boston, I am actually down in Orlando and working out of our Orlando studio with uh, maybe moonlighting in the evenings with uh, with Mickey and uh, you know doing the, doing the Disney thing as I,
0: I was about to say if you weren't I was, I was going to be concerned.
2: Oh, come on, you know me better than that. If I'm in Orlando, I'm doing something Disney and/ or Universal related.
0: Can I tell you something really quick, not to totally hijack the podcast? Even though this is a travel podcast, if you didn't know already, <laughs> but I'm taking my son to Disney in August. Even that's probably the worst time of the year to do that, and we're gonna go do oh. the the Star Wars experience. We're gonna stay on nice. the, stay on the ship and get a couple of days and do that. I didn't realize when we when we booked it that they're shutting that thing down like a month later. So I, yeah, I, I you guys with, are gonna be
2: close to the last to, uh, might to experience.
0: Yeah, we are, which is going to be exciting. I'm going to have to get some tips and tricks from you before before we head that way. We're going to try and hit up all the parks, plus do the Star Wars. Nice, so, nice, yeah, be nice, nice. Be fun. RB, we haven't gotten to you yet. You're at Memorial, your first time at Muirfield. First time trying out the famous milkshakes. How was it? It was good. It was a, I mean, it was a milkshake. I mean, wow. I- now yeah, that's them fighting words because <laughs> everything that I, I mean, I've had it before from the times I've been there.
3: They're pretty amazing. You're, you're kind of saying that's like a, what a five? Five and no, ten? It's, 10? it's, it's a really solid like seven and a half. Like okay. it could be way worse. It was, it, you know, what I mean, like again, it was a very, very solid milkshake, and all so, these ingredients that you have are great. I just got chocolate. I like chocolate. I, I oh, don't want to trust this. No, I didn't. Cause I don't want the peanut butter and all that other stuff in it. Not that, that I don't like that stuff. It's just, I was like, no, I just want to go classic <laughs> chocolate. Um, but it was good. Classic um, chocolate. Again, I was, I, I kind of like had this in my, I built it up in my head, right? Um, there's very few experiences where I think you're going to build something up and it's still better. One of those would be Augusta national <laughs> just walking the grounds, and being like, holy crap, it's like way cooler than you even imagine. Um, but other than that, it was, it was great. It was good, a good couple days down in Ohio. Um, and I mean, there's a lot to see and I mean, that's one of the things we're going to talk about and there's, you know, something you wrote about a couple weeks ago, which I know you're going to talk about your testing today. Um, maybe, maybe, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that you're like a trendsetter Jonathan, but you know, maybe you writing about this golf club, just had a couple more people think about putting it in their bag. We never know.
0: Yeah. That club is the tailor-made burner mini. We'll get to it. I, I did write about my experience testing an 11 and a half degree burner mini against my driver. But as RB is alluding to, burner mini seems to be a popular topic, but it is not the most popular topic this week of Memorial. I mean, it's got to be the title sirens, RB. This is now, this is a weird one for, for me because Titleist has historically launched product. So it, for those that aren't, uh, aware, Titleist is is one of the OEMs who releases their irons on an every other year cycle. So on the you know the off year is when they're going to release new metalwoods. So this is an iron new year for Titleist, and they release it at Memorial instead of typically it's been Travelers because it comes after the the U.S. Open. They still have a good field. They can seed the new irons, and they have a lot of guys. But from everything that I've heard, and you can probably speak better to it than I can, but from my recent weeks out on tour, they had said, look, the, the schedule's just weird. We're not going to release irons this year to U.S. Open. Um, we're not going to do it at Travelers because it's too late. So they went through the schedule, and it was a memorial, which is a strange one because the trucks aren't on site. Jack's one of those guys. God love him. He does not like trucks on site at his tournament, very similar to Augusta National, but It's not the same in the sense that for Augusta, the trucks are right across the street from on Washington Road. So they can just cross the street and and get over there in in a matter of of a minute if they wanted to. Um, It's not the same on Memorial. They're further off site. But yeah, they picked Memorial. And you were the very first guy, RB, you were the very first guy on site at Memorial on Monday, on Memorial Day. Kudos to you and you got pictures what what was the initial reaction from you on seeing the irons and what did you hear from the last couple of days uh, talking to the tour ups and the pros about the the new irons
3: well title ty- is out in full force is uh I mean, marty eynes who he, like helps run the uh, iron team he was there uh, so i got to kind of pick his brain a little bit and talk about really the process of of how this this happens because one of the things and one of the reasons he is there is once the final products are complete and they are in the hands of tour players, they're going through that testing process, they're going through that tour validation process. They're getting feedback. Like he is asking questions of like, what are things that we can improve on because of the the life cycle of the product, the the way that they prototype and the way that they are already looking towards the next thing, right? They don't just stop. And I think that's one of the, one of the keys of the the product design cycle that I think people don't necessarily always understand, but, once this is done, like they're already working on the next one, like they're getting this feedback and they are going to start that process. So in two years, they're going to have everything ready to go again for new product. Right. And that's why he's there. He's there to get feedback on how do they look? How do they feel? How do they sound? What's the turf interaction like? And that is, that is probably my biggest, um, takeaway from the the current products is one, there's still a T100. Is there a massive difference from a looks perspective from the top? No, they don't want to change that. Marty even Marty even said that he's like we don't want to change that. Like players like this golf club, we want to offer them the workability, but what we want to do is make it feel better and perform better in the ground. And that's why you see there's a slight tweak to the sole. I don't have internal information on any of these things. Like as far as what's going on inside, they don't they don't share that. They don't let me steal one and cut one in half. Um, you know, there's, they, they could practically put a metal detector on the front door there. I'm pretty sure. Um, but there's there was that, and there was the 100 and well, sorry, 150. So there's no 100s anymore. They've made it a little bit bigger. It's slightly longer heel toe. Same thing, slightly f- flatter, more cambered, less cambered sole, but less bounce. It's kind of this like weird kind of balancing act. Um, but it still gets thinner in the heel because that was an improvement, which if you go back and look at, look at the current ones, the, the big thing was the pitching wedge and the shorter arm, removing some heel relief to allow workability. And that was done directly with the, the Vokey team. So it looks like they have really stuck with that. Then you've got the 200, the 350, and then they also just snuck in there, a U505, a new, a new model as well. And feedback seemed really good. And, you know, one of the questions that I, I was getting uh, on Instagram, cause I did post them was oh where's the C B where's the blade now yes there was a blade that I posted later that Cameron Young was was testing out it was a pure prototype nothing on it besides the fact that it's at six i'm which is gorgeous cool. no markings love it um but I think the more that we look at and we'll get into this because I did have a chance to talk to Josh Toggy from Titleist. So we got a little bit of interview like a kind of impromptu interview on the on the driving range uh, the other day um well I guess I sort of Tuesday morning. So the kind of the way that they utilize data now. And you look at a player like Max Homa started with just blades, always a blade guy. Then he tried the T100 I think it was T100, T100 S and the longer iron. It was like, Oh, this is actually really easy to hit. And then he moved it into another iron as well, because they're always looking at data. And I think at some point when you have a golf club that offers the versatility and offers the little bit of extra MOI that still looks super small, like a Ford CB. I don't know how long that club's going to last for. And I think that's really interesting. It doesn't mean that it's not going to have a place or it just, you know, lives in a much longer product cycle like they used to, you know, a couple decades ago.
0: Yeah. I I mean, the the Cameron Young iron, it, it, it's pretty cool, I gotta say.
3: That was yeah, one of those yeah, things where I, I walked on the van and I'm looking down at it and it's sitting up against the, the door, like they will these sliding doors, like you know, you walk into a grocery store, it goes poof, poof, right there. You go. It's the first yeah. sound effect of the day. And I looked it down, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I pick it up and I do the whole, like, you know, we, we are, we are sometimes access to privileged information. And I was like, uh, I can't take a picture of this, can I? He's like, well, you can, but as I, you know, I think I said last week, yeah, you can take a picture of this, but it'll be the last picture you ever take in this van. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he took it out to the range and you know, that, that is, that is free game. So, um, it looked really cool. Uh, obviously very specific to him, similar to like a JT model or the Webb Simpson. That's Iron. what I was wondering. And, if he's and I, He's going to get his own. Again, I think they're maybe working towards something like that. And I'm not saying that it's a program that will ever come to retail, but I think they're really looking at how these profiles fit different players. And as they elongate the release cycle of blades and of these forged cavity backs, we're going to see maybe subtle tweaks in models as they come out, right? Because they can do a line of heads and then, you know, we'll do a certain number with like a leading edge relief or whatever, right? And all of these different things kind of like they did back with the original 600 series years ago and and models before that, they were only tweaks. They weren't like fully retooling everything. And I think that could be the way that Titleist is looking to kind of fit into that category outside of the T series, which I think for most golfers and most players is is really what's going to, what's going to fit into the clubs. And I think, you know, as much as we talk about the T 100, the T350 I think a lot of regular golfers are going to like that golf club.
0: Nobody wants that golf club. They all want to play the the <laughs> T100 know. the the T150. They I don't know what it is. I mean, they all everybody talks about the the smallest profile even if you're not really if that's not gear for your game, everybody gravitates towards that. But uh to answer your question though about you know what what is Titleist doing with these these you know custom irons for pros. You know RB when you and I were out at Titleist and we saw the the CNC machine that they use to create JT's irons and Webb Simpson's irons. Uh, you know, Titleist hinted this is this is something that they are strongly considering as a retail option for the future, which is giving better players the option to select the sole grind, to select the offset, the the top line, and create a totally customized you know blade or a totally customized small cavity back so it's it's coming they're working on it to get there (laughs) you're gonna have to you have to ramp up production and and really put a lot of money into this but i think i think they're seeing this kind of them testing the waters to see if this actually works and I, i think they're seeing that it is and that's why when i saw that iron i'm like ah here's another one so
3: um, yeah, and, and uh, that as I said to to JJ on the van, I said, "Is this a, is this a Mister Knudsen special?" It's Scott Knudson. who is the the guy who does a lot, like basically runs the machining of of a, a lot of that stuff. And he goes, "Yep, you bet it is." And I said, "See, this is like you know the." The 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 tour of guys get a lot of credit because they work with the best players in the world. They get that feedback there, like the communication, the sounding board, and and the the trusted people that are really associated with like who those players are talking to on a week to week basis. But you know, to give him credit, I think uh, not that he's looking for any, but you know, people like Scott are the ones who you know take an idea and like bring it to life. And I, I always think that's probably one of the coolest things about the production process that people don't see. Is the the engineers and the designers and the machinists that physically make product. And it's, you know, it's no different than, you know, it's cool to see a robot hit golf shots, but to actually see one of those things get put together, like what Gene does, like that's just freaking cool. <laughs> like to think about conceptualizing it and saying, I want it to do this, and then actually have it be able to do it, I think is is probably one of the coolest parts of it. So there's a lot of there's a lot of cogs in this machine that create product. And for these irons, I think. I think people are really going to like them, and, and they're very, very focused on what each model is designed to do. It's why they only have the four main models in this T series. They don't have a bunch of different lines. They don't have a bunch of different product. And I think that that focused approach makes it easier for the golfer, makes it easier for the consumer, and it makes it easier for fitters as well. They do have a couple different finishes, though. I saw the black version. Let's they did. Go. Yes, I did. I I think it was. I think that's a Lanto Griffin thing. I think Peter Malnati actually had had. Was some it as well. his? Oh, okay, he yeah. was. He yeah, Lanto would as will
0: would would as well because he's a, he's a T one hundred black guy. But like, uh, yeah, I, I missed out on seeing yeah. those, unfortunately. Yeah, they look they look really clean. Um, anyway, they're going to be coming to retail soon. That's the next question that everybody always has: is when when are these coming out? It's going to be, I would say, later in the fall. Would be my guess is when was when you'll see these come to retail, but it they are coming. So yeah. get excited, and we'll test them. I know jeans. I know jeans itching to get some on the robot. That's the next thing. I can't,
1: I can't. I can't wait to see them and compare them versus last generation, especially since we just finished up. So that was going to be my question: is when when can I get my hands on? Them? <laughs> so.
0: It'll be a good. It'll be a good test, though, Gene, because this is the obvious question that a lot of people have. When you know when Arby posted pictures, um, actually, one of my buddies out there said, "And now my irons, my my." previous set is now considered old and so i think this is and chris is laughing because he probably hears the same thing from golfers coming into true spec all the time
3: every year yeah every year yeah I, and I so let's it. test them i said I, cur- I i had a player message me and they're like i just got fit for t100s should i wait for the 150s and i was like listen if you waited this long to get fit for new golf clubs wh- like what do you say chris when someone because i'm sure like that's a question you get all the time What's your, what's your response to that? Cause it's like, look, if I just fit you for these, but we know these are coming now, like obviously it's a, it's not a prototype, but it, it's a finished product. That's why it's out there. It's why it's getting the press that it's getting so far. Like it's probably, you're probably just going to wait. Right. If you really want to think about it, like you might as well wait. Right. That's
2: I mean, I actually have a, a different response for it as it's, I will generally tell clients that, when it comes to iron technology, I and mean, companies are coming up with something that's new and innovative and really makes a dramatic difference to the player about every three to four years. So if you just got a new you know, Titleist T100S and you've been playing with it for a couple of months, the likelihood that the T150 is going to totally blow the doors off of it and absolutely outperform it top to bottom Probably not so good. Now, the other side of that coin is that, okay, we fit you for this T100S. Everything about it is dialed in and performing exactly how we need it to, one and two, checking all the boxes. And now you pump the brakes and wait for the 150. You come back in, you test the 150. It doesn't perform as well as the T100S because obviously there are changes. Otherwise, they wouldn't be coming out with a new model. So. In the event that it doesn't perform, now you've waited two, three, four plus months that you could have been playing better golf with what we fit you for originally. So it's like yeah, it's it's kind of a kind of a catch twenty two. You're rolling the dice; it's a gamble. I tell people that I mean, if what we fit you for is working, and we know there's a new model on the horizon, the likelihood that it's exponentially better and going to outperform what we just came up
3: with is very very slim. I think from a looks perspective too, and I've always used this as like my personal example is I, when the MP18 blades came out from Mizuno, they were, they're a square muscle blade. They, they have a, basically a consistent blade length from club to club. Um, and they're very classic looking to me. They're like probably one of the nicest, like I'm a 37 guy forever, but like the 18 to me is like that, that modern classic that they created. And I just love the shape of it. And when the 20 came out, what they offered was, which was a lot of players wanted, was a slightly more tapered and reduced blade length into the shorter irons. I actually didn't like that. I didn't, it got a little bit more rounded, which, again, a lot of players, I think, are going to prefer that shape. But I looked at those, and I looked at my 18s, and I was like, I like the 18s. I actually think I like them more. And and you know what? I think it's, it's a good way to think about you know things that you can change and if you if you got something and it's working don't don't break it don't break it if it's working
2: yep i mean take a uh take a page out of michael block's book look at those old tp irons he's been gaming for how many years now and as jay wall had mentioned uh, the lead tape is physically infused (laughs) to the uh to the heads at this point
3: Yeah. I, th- I think the only thing that Michael Block has probably changed on those golf clubs over the last like 12 years are his. uh, It's probably his grips. And speaking of grips, yeah. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for that. <laughs> Have to let you know that golf, uh, uh, golf pride. That fully equipped is brought to you by Golf Pride. It was so
0: that even RB wasn't ready for that
3: hole. I know. I like. I stumbled. <laughs> I mean, what a what a flub that was. So like you had a perfect lie, and you you just you dug the leading edge right into the turf. Um, but you can't blame your grips for that. That's just a technique thing. But remember, a grip is a performance piece of your golf clubs. And it's the only connection you have between you and your clubs. So it's got to be comfortable. It's got to be the right size. It has to be the right texture as well. Because when you are holding a golf club and you have less tension and you have something that is really working best with you know, the feel that you're trying to create with your golf clubs, you're going to make more confident golf swings. You're going to be able to you know swing the club faster. Studies have shown that you will gain yardage when you have the right groups and you have new groups because you have more traction. You know, just like you have fresh tires in your car, you're gonna get a little more traction on those, on those exit laps, right? If we're talking F1. Um, there you go, that was not part of the ad read. But if you are looking for different sizes, if you are looking for different textures, you can check out all kinds of different options. You've got something like the CPX or the CP2, which are part of their softer category. Uh, the CPX is a great example. They use different textures on the surface of the grip to reduce vibration. And as you reduce vibration, what that does is you reduce potential pain on missed hits and just shots in general. If you are hitting enough mass or just trying to practice. So you get to practice longer. Hopefully improve your your golf game as well while you are practicing. And if you're someone who plays in hot, humid weather, like you know, you're you're Chris and you're down in Orlando this week, and it is steaming and humid, and, and you know you want that extra uh, traction, you can use something like the MCC, which was used by uh, John rom to win the Masters, or you can use it yourself to to win some money at your off your friends in your local league. Again, we uh, we can't promise anything, but you know, if you got better traction, you're going to make better swings. And uh, if you are looking to try some grips, remember you can go to Golf Pride dot com and use code fully equipped at checkout and what that gets you is free shipping on your next order for any order within the united states there's no minimum purchase required so you want to pick and choose a couple grips the next time you're going to go uh, you know get your full set done uh, you can use that code there so head over to golf to learn more and use code fully equipped that's f-u-l-l-y-e-q-u-i-p-p-e-d for free shipping on your next order thanks to golf pride
0: and thanks the All right, so we were going to talk about it last week, but we ran out of time. And lo and behold, I'm glad we saved this topic for this week's pod because Taylor Mate's birder mini is is a topic again. And I wrote a story last week. I, I spoke to Adrian Reitfeld, who's one of my favorite reps on tour, just because he gives he gives a lot of really detailed insights. And I noticed that Tommy Fleetwood. Of the guys that have been playing TaylorMade's Burner Mini, and for those that, that aren't familiar with the Burner Mini, it is TaylorMade's answer for guys that say, myself included, I can't hit a three-wood, my driver sucks, I need a reliable option off the tee, and TaylorMade has uh, probably for the last, I guess, decade or so, they've they've rolled out a mini version on a few occasions, starting with the SLDR Mini. And this club is, some people call it a smaller headed driver, others call it a larger headed three wood. Um, this one is three hundred four ccs, comes in eleven and a half degrees or thirteen and a half degrees. With a um, standard is like forty three and three quarters um, length shaft. And the goal behind this is again, it's more forgiving than your three wood. You can use it off the tee, but this one's a bit more versatile. And I've seen Tommy Fleetwood playing it since RBC Heritage, and that made me wonder, like, what, what's the deal? This this club has typically, in previous release cycles, it's gained a lot of traction off the bat because it's hot. It's a hot club. It's different. People love different, especially golfers who who buy all the new gear, and they, you know, buy it like hotcakes right off the bat, and then it kind of fizzles. And this one, for whatever reason, has has kind of continued to gain traction. You know, we saw it at RBC Heritage. The tight golf course, perfect option for guys like Fleetwood, Shane Lowry. Uh, perfect option for those guys to use it off the tee as opposed to their driver. But Fleetwood was a guy who not only used it at RBC Heritage, then used it again at Wells Fargo. I talked to Fleetwood and his caddy, uh, Finno, Ian Finnis, and Finno told me, I could see this club staying in the bag for the whole season. Fleetwood loves it. He's replaced his three-wood with the burner mini. It's going to be a great option at the Open Championship. And so Adrian said the same thing. It's just this club has a bit more versatility. And that's what Fleetwood was seeing is um, the the seminal shot for, for Fleetwood with this that really sealed the deal during testing. And, and Adrian showed me the video. Is Fleetwood, very first time off the turf during his practice round from 280 out, on the second hole at at, uh, at Harpertown, He just absolutely nuts one from 280. And you can hear him go, ah, like, whoa, that's that's a great shot. And it was just, it's funny to see, because you typically don't get those get tour pros to elicit those reactions um, unless they're on camera. And people will say, oh, the videos that you see, you know, that's all organic. But those guys know they're on camera. This was a very organic reaction from Fleetwood. I don't think he even realized Adrian was taking the video. But this club has been hot. It's going to be hot again this week. We've just heard, and it's again, it's Wednesday as we record, so things can change. But Adam Scott and Luke List look set to replace their Three Woods with Burner Mini. And there's also a potential big story in their RB. Jason Day
3: could be replacing his driver this week
0: with Burner Mini.
3: Such an odd thing. And I, I if so, behind the clubhouse is the first tee and the 10th tee at, um, Mirafield village. And it's very close to the putting green. Now there's another, there's a couple of putting greens there, but, um, I was just walking underneath the clubhouse over to the putting green. And I look over and I just, I see Jason Dan. I'm like, Oh, that's not a, it's not his driver. That's the mini. And it's the great. They, Thank you for tailoring. They make those things very recognizable. Cause it's got the copper color and everything. And I was like, this is a lot. It's this whole 400 I think it's like 497 yards par four on the 10th hole to be, it's, a beat. It's, it, it's insane. Um, I'm like, why is he hitting this thing? Like he should be hitting a driver. And then we find out that it's something where he might be replacing his driver, which is a very kind of unusual, like kind of a crazy thing to hear. Uh, Eddie Pepperell has done that before with a, a number of different mini driver products. And it makes me think of actually had a rep this week, completely like not related to this golf club, but we started talking about three woods, and he said, Uh, most pros, most modern pros, especially the younger guys, um, they hate their three woods, uh, they suck at hitting them. It's the club that they struggle with the most, and they just they can't get it out of their heads. So, to have something that like they can work off the tee because they don't normally most players are so long now, they're hitting a five wood that's pretty low spin and goes really high and can land soft, like an old, you know, an old five wood was 16 to 18 degrees, anyways. Or sorry, an old three-wood was like like 15 to 18, so like weaker. Um, he goes, yeah, those guys suck. He goes, I, I, see, I see guys that test three-woods all the time, and they just they can't hit them. They suck. And I'm like, what do you mean they suck? He goes, well, they just try and hit it like a driver. They're trying to hit up on it. And the only two clubs in your bag you want to hit up on are your driver and your putter. Everything else needs a slight descending blow. So if you are going to tee it off like a little bit of a higher tee, this like really big-headed three-wood, um, which is kind of like what it is, or like a mini-driver, is a perfect option for that. And I mean, I've, I tested the, the PXG two wood, which is a, a pretty cool golf club from like the gen six. And it's a huge, it's a, it's a big three wood and hitting off the deck. Not really that comfortable hitting off the tee. Fantastic. So um, I think it is an interesting story to see players like, like Luke list that really long, like he's a long player. Uh, Jason day, still very long player. They're not hitting three woods off the deck. Like they're just not like they're mostly using it probably 75 to 80% off the tee and maybe once in a while off the, off the deck. So to, to use it for that, maybe once a tournament versus, you know, using it six times a tournament or eight times a tournament, it makes a lot more sense to have a club that doesn't go as far as your driver that you can hit off the tee and offers you a ton of forgiveness. And I know I don't play very long golf course. I've been using this burner mini because it doesn't go as far as a driver. And it is perfect for three holes that I play on my little nine hole golf course (laughs) because the driver goes too far. And I think that that is where it is – to your point, these things come out, everyone gets really hyped, and then it's just like, okay, that was cool. And then, like, you know, it goes into retail, and it goes to other places. And a lot of people do enjoy using them, but it's still a niche golf club. Whereas this, it's like – it's like, you know, it's like a snowball rolling down a fjord, right, Uh, right, Gene? It's just picking up momentum. (laughs) It's just picking up momentum. And all of a sudden, it's like one guy has it. Tommy Fleetwood's kept it in the bag. More players are testing it. More players are testing it. More players are testing it. And I think – it is the philosophy, from a fitting perspective, where these these players see the advantage of having a club that doesn't go as far as a driver, offers more forgiveness than the three wood, and something they can hit off the tee. This is that golf club, and I think it's it's pretty cool.
2: Yeah,
0: Chris, do you? I mean, what's the what's the feedback or, or interest in in Burner Mini at Truespec?
2: Burner Mini is kind of a an oddball for us in the the brand agnostic matrix that we have. Uh just because we have three wood shafts at designated length, driver shafts at designated length. So Mm. some of the some of the niche clubs don't necessarily make the cut into the actual matrix because then we would have to turn around and create a shaft matrix specifically for that club. And I mean logistically it just doesn't work for us so we had to we had to pass on the mini carrying it in the matrix unfortunately the same thing with the, the callaway apex uw i mean both are fantastic clubs unfortunately just for true spec it doesn't necessarily fit the the model that we have but there's there's definitely been some inquiries about it and i've had an opportunity to test it and testing that i did with it personally if there was a way that we could have made it work we'd absolutely would have brought it in
0: that's interesting but it, it makes total sense the burner mini at at retail uh, every from everything or everybody that i've talked to it's sold out all over the place you cannot find it yeah. it's it is a very tough club to get your hands on right now but i guess i could say that about a lot of product it's just it still feels like golf is is in this this like unicorn cycle right now where everything's everything's you know, trending upwards still for the game, and that's great to see. But anyway, back to the Burner Mini. So, because we're we're seeing guys like Adam Scott and Luke List, and potentially Jason Day replacing his driver with Burner Mini for this for at least this week. Um, I did some recent testing with Burner Mini, as I mentioned, eleven and a half degree. I'm a lefty. They only make an eleven and a half. I couldn't even try the thirteen and a half. But driver for me has always been a weird club, love hate relationship. I, I'm decently long off the tee and that can be a good thing, but I just am so damn inconsistent. It just, it's, and it's not even like I try to, I try to eliminate again, being a lefty for those out there. I, I try to eliminate the right side of, of the golf course. I want to try and hit fades for days. And you know even if it's a little bit of a blocky shot, I want to stay on that left-hand side. Cause right for me is death, especially being uh, on the, you know, semi faster side for swing speed I, if I, if I get, you know, if I get in the snappies, that's, that's like the one shot that I do not want to see. So, um, I usually try and keep all the weight out towards the toe, try and, and play it with more of an open face. So I, I manipulate the, the loft sleeve I manipulate, cause I'm, I'm playing, still playing a tailor-made stealth, not, not the stealth plus I should say. So not the two, but just the, the original stealth plus and play that at 45 and a half. And so I had a burner mini built at 43 and a half and just decided to take it for a spin. Same shaft. I should mention for those out there that are curious, I just went with a slightly heavier weight. So I play the Mitsubishi Kylie White in a 60X in my driver. And so I went to a 70X in the the burner mini and I, I just hit some balls. And just wanted to capture some numbers. We use the fourside GC quad for, for all of our uh, testing. And you can find the story if you want to read more about it to get some of the additional insights on golf.com. Just check out our uh, proving ground series. And so I I test it and I get five in. And yeah, he he probably somebody RB just asked, Yes, I w- I would say <laughs> Uncle Gene looks like he's asleep i'm here i'm He's here we should we should put him on the spot and, and quiz him after this he he is I'm, exhausted we're we're gonna get through the rest of this pod and, and try and keep gene awake
1: i'm uh, i'm i'm doing my best i'm sitting outside freezing my ass off because i figured the cold was gonna keep me up but uh the oh man RB, rb just so, just
0: dropped it in the the zoom the zoom chat you don't have to talk yet gene don't worry don't worry well if you got well, something we, to say you can say it but
1: we're well, you're, 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 well, you're not put you on the spot Listen, I like milled putters too. I'm a big fan, so I think they're I think they're great, and I'm all for. <laughs> Gene's definitely been listening. Uh, no, no, no. But real quick, you know what? Uh, I was thinking about this. Is uh, I think this is a great test idea, and we could do it in the TaylorMade family. Is to get like a nine degree driver, the eleven degree mini, and then uh, you know fifteen degree three wood. With the different link shafts and just show for our, you know, typical 95 mile an hour, what the benefits are of each and kind of show at a neutral attack angle. And, you know, for, for, for some golfers, uh, the driver might work if they swing up on it, you know, to your point, uh, about kind of, you know, fearing, uh, well, for you, it's fearing the right. me it's fearing the left but it's the same thing but you know if you're maximizing distance you're swinging up on it if you're starting to become concerned about that you know you're going to get a higher launch but realistically a higher spin which will add to control but as we've as we've done previous tests with hybrids driving irons and uh, five woods, what my theory is, and I haven't tested it, is it's going to fit right in that middle category where it's it's going to be longer than the three wood. It's not going to be as long as the driver, but it's going to give great launch and spin characteristics that are going to give you an option that if distance isn't absolutely critical and control is, um, you'll, you'll find some pretty interesting middle ground. Or at least that's my hypothesis.
0: Yeah, we we should certainly do a test with those three. I, I think that's one that we need to we need to put in the can for here in the next month or so. Um, but if you go to golf.com to take a look, I posted my uh dispersion. I just hit five balls with with each club. And you can see the two longest shots were actually pretty much right down center line. Decent I mean good balls for me. So that's always nice to have your two longest be your two straightest. But then you can see like there's a couple balls going to the left and there's a ball that's, that's headed kind of hard to the right. And that's, that's where I run into this problem of, I just am not that consistent with my driver. So I, and I typically don't do this. I decided to go and just, I would just usually like to warm up with a new club. I hadn't hit the burner mini before I wanted to get a feel for it. So I just started hitting some shots and I, I, I shit you not. I posted this in the story, first three balls my ball speed with my driver just and this is just me swinging smooth I'm not trying to kill it I was 155 ball speed uh, about th- pretty much 300 yards carry with uh with my driver I was 152 and a half with the first three golf balls with with the burner mini and I was about what is it 280 yards on average first three balls this thing was like a rocket ship, and they were all right down the center line. A little bit more to the right than I probably would like. And you know, with the with the driver, I'm able, like I mentioned, use that movable weight and kind of get it out towards the toe to keep that the right shot out of play. Now, again, with it being a shorter shaft, it's going to be easier to turn over. So that's not surprising. Um, the Burner Mini has two adjustable weights: one in the towards the front towards the face, and one towards the back that you can adjust. It's a 13 gram and a one and a half gram. I had the one and a half gram in the forward setting, 13 grams in the back, meaning I should be seeing a higher launch and more spin. So that made me go, whoa, if I'm getting 280 out of this golf club and I have the forward weight or the heavier weight in the back, I could probably jam that thing towards the front and just start hitting missiles. And then that makes me think, well, why the hell am I carrying a driver? But I I think the neat thing about this test was it actually made me, reconsider something that I had been toying around with, which is why don't I try a shorter driver? Why don't I go to, you know, if I'm at 45 and a half, why don't I cut off an inch, go to to 44 and a half and see what happens? You know, Tony Fiena did that a few years ago and he actually picked up ball speed because he was getting more consistent center face contact. And that's what I'm wondering is, Chris is nodding his head. So maybe he thinks I'm on the right path here, but I, I, I'm thinking that might be the thing. And maybe I carry Burner Mini as another option if the driver gets squirrely. But I did love this test because it proved that Burner Mini does exactly what I needed to do. I need a good, reliable option off the tee. This one I feel like has that uh, has that DNA of being a reliable option, but it also sends me down another path, which is all right. I think this is telling me that I need to try a shorter length driver shaft and and maybe that's going to help me out. So I loved this test. It was great. And the the spin numbers with the burner mini were really good. Um, I think I was like just around 2,500 RPM spin. And it's, it is a really solid club. It's funny when I posted this, I had a whole bunch of people reach out to me and say, Hey man, I need something like that too. I'm so glad you ran this test. I'm going to go check this club out. Or I had people that already had one say, yep, I'm seeing the same thing. I already took my driver out of the bag. This is my club, so I don't think that this version for TaylorMade and and Adrian told me because I asked him. I said, "What's different? Why is this one seem to be sticking more?" And he told me that it has more to do for, in his opinion, with the adjustable weights in the sole, being able to optimize launch and spin a bit more. He said in the past they didn't really have that ability. You know, out on tour they did, but at retail it was tough. And because of that, they they kind of lost some golfers who might have been able to dial it in and and close the deal and say all right this is a great club i'm going to buy it so i think the weights are helping i think the the k soul design which was uh i it's kind of a rebaked version an updated version of the uh, tie bubble 2 they brought that back to help with with the turf interaction if you like to hit that kind of club off the deck, you can now do that with a, with a bit more consistency. So I do. I think this is a great golf club. And I'm not just saying that because I saw some really good numbers, but I'm, I'm hearing it out on tour. We're seeing more tour pros use it. I don't think that this is going to be a a kind of a a, a quick one-off for Taylor Man. I think we're going to see this golf club hang around for a little while.
3: I think the other part of this too, and it's like a question that kind of leads in from you know testing this is why don't I just get a 12 degree driver if I'm using a nine degree or something like that?
0: Such a great question.
3: And the problem is the physics of the head size versus shaft length and how they perform because if you have a, an 11 degree golf club has a center of gravity closer to the club base and this is a perfect almost ex- kind of very similar to our our similar loft test when we did the the driver, or sorry, the hybrid, the fairway wood, and the iron. Cause they were all basically right around 21 degrees, give or take a degree. And the seven would with its further back center of gravity launch the ball way higher because of the center of gravity location relative to the club face. But if you have a 14 degree driver way back in the, in the, in the head with the center of gravity, the thing is just going to launch so high with so much more spin that you're actually going to lose the potential distance. You're, you're robbing yourself of that because you're creating very poor dynamics versus say a 13 and a half degree three wood, which has a, a center of gravity close to the club face. And although it is smaller and from an MOI perspective, it might be a little less because of the head shape. You're actually going to produce less spin, but you're going to get more out of that golf club from a distance perspective because of all of those things that come together. So loft for loft, they're not always equal. Just like again, you go back and look at our test from the, the seven wood, point. three hybrid and three iron, you can't just say, well, you know, if I just want to hit it straighter, I'll just go to a 12 degree driver versus my nine degree. Or I'll find a 13 and a half degree driver, take a 12 and a half and loft it up. You th- are going to hit moon balls because the physics of impact are very different with a four hundred and sixty club head versus a 300 series CC club head versus a 200 CC club head. Now we're 150 CC club, but if we're talking about a hybrid, so all of those things are not equal. Loft is not equal. It's about all the other elements that go into the club head design. So that is why it's not just a a lofted up driver. It's a, it's a club specifically designed with a center of gravity to, as you know, Tommy said, or Tommy's caddy said, like it launches way lower than a standard 11 degree driver. If you put those things head to head, that 11 degree driver is going to launch multiple degrees higher than the, uh, than the mini because of its design. And I think that's why, you know, it, it does fit a, a different role, and that's why, from a fitting perspective, you know, I'm sure you look at all kinds of examples. Especially, you can't just say, you know, here's a 24 degree hybrid and here's a 24 degree nine; they're not the same thing. They're not equal whatsoever.
2: Nope, definitely not. I mean, you hit the uh, you hit the nail on the head with the the description of, I mean, just where they reposition discretionary weight and overall design of the head.
3: Time when TaylorMade had the SLDR, the very first one, the 461 that was the most low spin driver basically ever created and also unforgiving. Um, They had an eight degree driver and they only did a small run originally at retail and then they took it off the website and you can never find an eight degree head. And if you find an eight degree head, they're like little unicorns because they did not do a lot of them because you could not spin them. Uh, but then as you went on in the production cycle they added a 14 degree adjustable driver to get launch and get spin and that is a perfect example of what happens when you have an extreme center of gravity within a, a style or a design of golf club because again I, mean, I have a 460 no sorry 430 sldR and I'd love to do because i you know at the time I'd never see any results but I'd love to see even a 10 and a half degree sldr on the robot, and have it hit heel shots, center shots, and toe shots. Because I would imagine you would see some of the most extreme spin axis tilt on a toe shot of an SLDR than you would see of any driver of the last 20 years because of that.
1: I'm sure you've seen
3: some weird stuff like that, Gene.
1: Well, you know, the interesting thing is uh, that was around the same time that TaylorMade was pushing the 1717. And I was so, about to say,
0: that's what a 14-degree driver came out.
1: Yeah, and so they were pushing 17 degrees launch, 1700 spin. The problem with giving getting 17 degrees launch, 1700 spin is you would have to dig a trough out about six inches behind the tee to swing up on the ball to be able to get that because or you'd have to have a tee that was like three feet high I mean it was next to impossible to really get that launch angle but what was interesting was we actually came close with the robot we were almost hitting off the crown of the club and it was freaky how far the golf ball was but it also was freaky how inconsistent it was because the spin was so low and the ball was launching so high that uh, environmental conditions, i.e., wind, really started to be come into play. So it, it's like anything in golf, and I think that you know this topic really highlights mm-hmm. it. It's what you're looking for. If you're looking for max distance, you can you know chase something like that but you better be close to a robot at that point because any deviation that ball's going to go off the planet if you're looking for you know distance and you have control get a driver if you don't have as much control look at the mini um to arby's point 100% uh the loft angles are the loft angles meaning that you know uh an 11 or 14 it's the same loft angle when they make contact What's different and what Arby highlighted is the CG location. And we saw that with the driving iron having a totally different uh, spin rate than the seven would and it ultimately comes down to that cg location that dramatically affects spin and that spin is either what causes that ballooning or can cause boring or can cause it to drop out of the sky like a 1700 spin if you don't get up to that 17 degrees if you're around 10 or so that ball will just drop out of the sky so it you know there's there's no sure thing in golf. It ultimately comes down to what are the strengths of your game? What are the points of your game that you're looking to enhance? And then you start looking at these different implements, i.e. equipment, to figure out which one can maximize your goals the best. And most of the goals of amateur golfers are distance, followed by a pretty far second control. But I think golfers should really have an honest conversation with themselves when it comes to control and bump that up to at least 30, 40% of the equation, and then start looking at these options because everybody just looks at the pure distance option. And, you know, what Jonathan was talking about, that's great, but if you, you know, if you've got three balls OB in a round because, you know, you can't control that club, what's the point if you hit it 300 yards, you know, a couple times?
0: I just want to point out that the TaylorMade's push for 1717 17 came around the same time that they were also pushing hack golf those are some weird years for Taylormade where they were they were openly uh openly promoting golf holes that were the size of like bandhole manhole cover and um yeah just just an interesting time in in the life of Taylormade I, I remember those years well, do That's you
1: remember do you remember that at, at the show they came out with these they were like the equivalent of design cars they came out with oh, yes. heads that that pins on them yeah they had all these prototype heads to show what the potential was if there was no rules applied to the game and it was a mark, wild show the yeah mark king, driver yes yeah. mark yep, yep. mark king was really pushing hard for you know alternative rules the problem was the majority of golfers did not know that the USGA was what limited them from, you know, having this, you know, futuristic club. And so it just, it never took off because they just, they Taylor Taylormade didn't have the bandwidth to convince golfers that they needed a new set of rules. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a pretty steep sell, but I got to give it to King for thinking out of the box on that one, because it was, uh, Came up with some pretty wild stuff.
0: Yeah, you did. Uh, okay, so we were gonna talk about. Uh, RB had a chance to talk to Roseng, the the Stanford superstar who just turned pro this week at the Mizuho Americas. But I want to save that for next week. Give it some up uh, proper space so that we can go through. Because he, he during the interview he actually pulled some insights on, that I think the The weekend golfers out there are going to be able to to glean and to appreciate, and I just don't want to jam in here at the end. But I do want to before we get into the RB's interview with Josh Talge from Titleist. I, we just finished up ball testing with Golf Laboratories and forty golf balls. Gene passed over the data and I just want to tease this. We're going to, we're going to hold off on on doing the full download on ball testing on the podcast and on golf.com until Gene gets back from his uh, his boondoggle. But <laughs> the one thing that I did notice as I was quickly going through it and I love this about our robotic testing because this this is why we do it. Is it strips away all the biases. We have the robot hitting, delivering the golf club the same way we did driver and we did a half wedge shot, half wedge shot, meaning like 50 yards. And I was looking at the numbers and something stuck out to me right away. Spin rate delta on the spin Delta on driver, that Delta from the highest spinning, to the lowest spin, 600 RPMs. Not a lot. Now, if you go to the half wedge shot, That delta goes up to 3,300 RPMs. And Gene, and you guys can all tell me I'm crazy or agree, but I think that when you see a delta that big for a, a critical shot, because everything around the green is important, you need to know what your golf ball is going to do, how that golf ball is going to react. Do you want that golf ball to hit once and stop? Do you like your ball to check and then trundle onto the hole? Do you need it to stop on a dime? You need to know. What that golf ball is going to do, and I think seeing a thirty-three hundred RPM delta between the highest spinning and the lowest spinning on a fifty-yard shot, it completely validates the importance of starting around the green and then working your way back. Because if there's only a six hundred or six hundred RPM delta on driver, you can probably play pretty much any golf ball you want in in and amongst those forty golf balls, and you're gonna you're gonna generally be okay.
3: And but, you can change the loft on your driver and, and really adjust exactly that, that 600 very very quickly, which, can't do, which you can't, can't do that with, a with a wedge. wedge.
0: Yep, you're 100 well, right, RB. and that's the important <laughs> thing: is starting from the green and working your way back. And that's the biggest insight that I've seen so far. We'll get to the rest in, like, when Gene gets back. But again, I just wanted to point that out. I think it's really cool, and it's one of the reasons why I love a robotic testing.
1: Well, and I'll and I'll just tease a little further. We tested Serlin and urethane golf balls, and that's where and so. Um there's there's some really interesting data in this. Um, we found some real values in there that they're not quite your thing, but they're close. Um, we found some that just didn't spin very well, and we found some that spun a tremendous amount. But uh the the key is being able to deliver that to the um consumers so that they can determine, okay. I can't afford a urethane golf ball, but, you know, give me some good Serlin options. And we're going to be able to look at that. We're going to be able to tell you the urethane options. Um, but I think I think the 600 RPM of spin, the driver is kind of critical too. And I'll tell you why. You swing at 100 miles an hour and you're at 2800 spin. And all you need to do is change the golf ball and you can get to 2,500 spin. That can potentially get you five to six yards of distance without doing anything else. And if that ball is within the category of a ball that spins uh, off of the half wedge as well, you just got a twofer there, you know, you, you've lowered your spin on the driver and then you still have green side control. So that's why but I you like, can,
0: do- you can't do that now. Exactly. I mean, yes. you can, you can, because a lot of these golf balls, especially on the higher price point, I mean, you have to pay for it, but they decouple spin
1: and yes, launch absolutely. at the top and, and, of the
0: set and at the bottom of the set.
1: Yep. And that's what to hijack we saw. your conversation. Yeah. No, 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 no. But that's that you're a hundred percent right. And that's, what's exciting about this data set is now we can show that and say, hey, here's a low spinning option off of the driver. If 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 driver spin, if you need to reduce 300 rpm spin, which a lot of people you know kind of fight with, and 300 rpm is still 300 rpm, whether you're swinging at 90, 100, or 110, it's still going to give you some distance. But then on the half wedge shot, it still has these robust spin characteristics that offer green side control. So that's where. I like to combine the two. I agree with you 100% from a fitting standpoint is that you start with the half wedge and move on. But I think it's also important to go, okay, out of these 40 golf balls, now that I've selected these golf balls that give performance characteristics off the half wedge, let's start looking to the ones that spin a little less or spin a little more based on whatever characteristics you're trying to fine tune with the driver. And the beauty of the golf ball you don't have to change your swing at all. You keep the same swing and immediately, presto, you're going to see plus 200 or minus 300 right off the bat. That's that's what's fun about the golf ball is it doesn't require any adjustment.
0: Yeah. So anyway, we'll, we'll have the full download, as I said, in two weeks when Gene returns. And that'll also be the same week that we'll release a lot of our insights. From our ball testing on golf.com and after ball testing there's only one thing left that we have not tested and released and that would be the hybrid uh all the hybrid all the hybrids as gene confirm are being tested at the moment so those will be done and we'll get that out here i'd say probably a week after so maybe in two weeks we'll release ball testing on golf.com and on the podcast and then the week after that we'll do hybrids and then call it a Call it Call a, it a season. season. Call it a season. I love it. All right. So I think it's time to get into this week's interview. As I mentioned, RB had a chance to talk to Titleist VP of Marketing, Josh Talge, who was on site at Memorial for the se- the initial seeding of Titleist new T-Series irons. Josh talks about how they seed the product, um, how they use data to help fit these guys
3: into new irons. It's a fun chat. Enjoy it. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Josh Talge from Titleist. We are on the range, that's why you might hear some mowers and some blowers going around here
4: in the background. But we're on the Range of Memorial. Good CRB. Uh, yeah, you as well. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. And you're right. We can actually they're they're mowing the, the putting green next to us right now. You can hear it in the background. So uh,
3: yeah, it's uh, it's it's a busy week for you guys. You know, there's been a lot leading up to this. I'm sure in the background, but you know, as as we've already talked about, it's been it's an iron launch, and it's actually earlier than you guys have ever done it before.
4: Well, I think we've, we've trickled stuff out in the past around the same time, but it just made sense for us. We've, we've got this great new lineup of T-Series irons, and when we start showing our tour pros, typically you know, they, they help us with prototype testing, and then as we get into their springtime, they start asking questions of, when are these going to be ready? I want, a, I want a chance to play these, and can we help them play better golf with new irons? And everything pointed this direction, so we're excited to be here, and it's been, uh, it's been a great week thus far.
3: So let's let's talk through since you can't get into like specifics of the specs, let's talk about the process leading up to this. Like how many iterations really kind of go through this and, and how's that feedback feedback process really start with the players?
4: Yeah, and and that's really even what this week is about is not only are we putting new irons in play for a lot of players, but we're also getting feedback in our minds of what do we want to do for our next generation of irons and so Marty Inez is here who heads up our, our development group for all of our irons and he's listening intently to what are they saying? How are they reacting to feels? What are we looking at from a loft and lie perspective? Are we changing anything for some of these players? How is, you know, we're even looking at divot patterns to understand like what are the guys doing as far as getting in and out of the turf efficiently? And so that process really for our next generation of clubs starts now so as you can imagine back up a couple of years ago that's what we were doing getting ready for today and so it starts with getting feedback from the best players in the world getting feedback from our tour teams guys like jj van Wiesenbeck, Jim Curran's out here running around um, and those guys are constantly feeding us with more information as well and that plugs us into alright what do we want to change what do we want to do differently and this this iron lineup was all about and you're hearing it all day you've been with us um, it's but feel right and and that's what the players keep coming back to is not only do these irons look great and they're giving them the numbers they want, but the feel is just so enhanced. And players at this level are looking for feel and consistency. If they can hit that number, hit that window each and every time, that makes them really happy. And and, uh, we've seen a lot of smiles this week.
3: Yeah. And I think the other thing too is like, you've got some changes to the lineup that I think are pretty interesting. Um, And there's some noticeable differences as far as even just the looks. I think in and I'm sure there's there's got to be a consumer-level amount of feedback, fitter-level feedback, because you guys have obviously a huge network of fitters that provide consumer feedback, just like, you know, and we talked about this the other day, was something like the TS1 product, right? Like, that comes from fitters saying we need a product that's going to help fit this demographic of golfers where we don't really have something, right?
4: 100%. Yeah, we, we are always listening to our entire community. And, and honestly, we listen to your community, right? <laughs> we are digging through... You know, the comment sections in in all of these, we're reading, right? And that's part of where some of the tips come from, even on on visual ID, right? When we're looking at what do we want the back of the club to look like, that's informed by us being, you know, kind of like having an ear to the ground of what are the dedicated players saying that they're looking for. And in this case, you know, a lot of the feedback has been, boy, these irons look really clean. And I'm so glad to hear that because that was absolutely The goal was to make this classic looking iron that's just packed with so much technology inside, but everything is really born of tour and almost looks like they're graduated versions of MBs.
3: Yeah. And I I remember I made the joke a little while ago where, you know, it's, it's sometimes it can be really difficult to help, like, kind of satisfy every consumer, right? Because, you know, you always hear, man, this product is so good. I don't want them to change anything. And then there's like a subtle tweak where they really don't change much. And then people are like, well, it, it kind of looks like the old one. It's like, well, that was kind of the point because, you know, there is this – it's a small evolution, right? It's the ability to identify a product, from first off, from a consumer level so they know what it looks like in a store, right? Everyone knows what a – you know, Lamborghini has a very distinct shape, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I
4: think for us, there's a, there's a couple of points there. One, yeah, we do want to have some consistency to what we're doing. But, but two, when you're talking about iron, it's very different than when you're launching driver. Irons, this is all about scoring. This is about consistency. How can we make sure that each and every time you put a good swing on your seven iron or six iron or even up into utility irons, it's going the distance you want? Because you are really trying to land that ball as close to the pin yeah. as possible. And, and that's really important. And that's really where these irons are shining is that we're, we're seeing these great consistencies Um, but from a look standpoint, it's, it's fun the first couple of days, you know, when guys just look at it and they're just like, Oh man, these look good. Right. (laughs) And it's fun to read the the comments on the internet. Um, yes, there's still positivity, you know, even in the Twitter sphere, um, when you've got something that looks really pretty like this. So we're, we're excited about all that.
3: Now, when it comes to like the iron launch and all of these other like elements that really come into it, you know, how does that, I guess, trickle down? Is it like educating fitters here on tour and then it goes to your your local, not local fitters, but like your regional fitters and like kind of head fitting where like, you know, I'm in Canada, so we have like the Titleist fitting facility there. Does it kind of slowly filter down over, say, like the next couple months? And exactly.
4: Then, no, you know, you're exactly right, RB And So we'll spend the next month going through all the global tours, um, working our way from Corn from Ferry and LPGA and DP World all the way down through Champions Tour and then globally. You know, making sure that we're hitting all of the tours. And as we're doing that, JJ Van Wiesenback who heads up our US team just brought in all the global teams a couple of weeks ago, trained them on the product, got them all set up for how do we fit this product, and then we take that to all of our regional fitting teams all around the world. And we'll spend this summer fitting some of the best players in the world into these new products. So we're really excited about. It. Speaking of fitters, here's Jimmy Kern right here handing me fancy new irons. Hi guys, how are you? Yeah, you're live on a podcast. Awesome. First time ever. Yeah, first time. A long time, long time listener. First time well, caller. Love being a long time listener. Awesome. So Jim's running out. Who's are these for? Uh this is Cam Davis. Um
0: he plays the t 100 2023 version, 345 iron. And then he plays our CB irons the rest of the way down.
4: So this is what happens when you're doing stuff live on the range, is it you just get an impromptu one of our one of our PGA tour footers, Jimmy Curran, stops by and Cam Davis, big tall strapping Australian, is looking to upgrade his iron. So RB, we're looking at a really pretty five iron here. What you can describe this to the listeners. I think they, clearly you post all your pictures.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for those you can you can always go to golf.com and, and check it out. And uh, you know, I think when we look at this kind of stuff, the idea of, you know, it does look clean, it has that there's technology hidden underneath it, right? I think it's kind of the idea of like, you know, what a fast car looks like, right? It's all everything's under the hood. Um but, you know, speaking to the idea of like data and fitting and all those kind of going back to the tour level, how does the, the data processing work? Because I think, you know, in professional sports, analytics has become a massive part of everything from, I mean, every sport. We're talking about possession and like basketball and hockey and everything. But with golf, you know, there's the ability to measure all of these different elements like proximity, strokes gained, all these things. Do you have a team that works with players along with, like, their own team that they have?
4: Absolutely. And so we've got, and we also, at the PGA Tour level, we've got shot link data, which really helps us. So not only are we getting data that, that we can get on the range, and uh, our practice facilities at TPI and other places, but we also have their on-course performance. And so JJ and team really sit down with all the players, and they go through it. And they, they show them how do they compete against other people in the world and basically give them a red, yellow, green, easy scorecard to look at from all the different distances. And that's where we start to look at where can product come in and help. And I, I love the fact that you brought up team. Our group works as, a, as part of their team with each of the, the PGA Tour pros. We wanna make sure that anything we're looking at, their coach is part of, right? Or their physio is part of it. And how can we help you know, augment and help them score their best? And it really is that team approach. But advanced analytics, is massive and that's where we really see some interesting choices and changes with the guys we were just yesterday i think you saw us working with brian harman and he's got such an interesting mix of of clubs where he goes all the way from cbs up to he was playing a u500 and he immediately saw better carried enough numbers more tighter consistencies with a t200 and long iron and said hey what if i get like a two iron in this u505 that's going to even stretch this distance a little bit." And so we build that form, we get him out here today and be able to show him what is the data going to tell him, how can he be able to score differently with a different product like that in his bag.
3: Yeah, I can remember going like going through the fitting process in the past at TPI and you know the, such a focus on, you know, carry distance, being able to stop shots at a certain point and breaking up your set and all these different elements and you know we see it out here every week when I get a chance to be out on tour and there is there's a team aspect to it. There is there's people from track working with players there's people from foresight working with players there's their coaches There are their caddies you know monday afternoons and, and tuesday mornings are a lot of places for swing thoughts out here seems yeah. to be and you know it comes down to when you see it like new product like this out there there is that gapping element there is that data set and then from there we're going to see it probably this afternoon a lot of players go out and take it to the golf course because they're going to put it through the ringer to see what's going to end up in their bag. And do you have an expectation of how many of these are going to end up in, in players' bags?
4: This you know, we were looking last night. We always kind of just print out a list of, like, who's on the field, who have we had a chance to see. And in, in day one, boy, we saw a, a tremendous amount of players. Um, and then it's going to continue the next couple of days here. But we were looking at, boy, certainly a lot more than a handful. Guys like Hayden Buckley, Lonto Griffin, Nick Hardy, Brian Harmon I already mentioned, S.H. Kim. Peter Malnati's actually got three different irons okay. in his bag out on course today. He's got T100, T200, and T350, and he's got all of them with them in in different you know loft configurations as he's testing. Um, we, we saw you know Davis Riley, St- uh, Scott Stallings. Um, ben Taylor, and then Cam Young. I noticed you you dug it through his bag yesterday <laughs> um, looking at a couple of the protos we're working with. But he also was just thrilled with T100 in the top end of his bag. Um, and so that's from one day of work. I think today we'll probably double that number. Uh, and then there's a group of, of players who love the product, but as you mentioned, they like to sometimes go home with it and really yeah. get on their course and, and really put it through the paces of, okay, can I hit all the different shots with it? Uh, which is totally understandable, right? And and that's where our team, the service level, uh, you know, again giving a shout out to our, our PGA Tour team, whether it's JJ all the way down to to Aaron Dill as we get into the wedges, the service level is so amazing, and and the partnership that we see is is really on how do we help these guys play their best golf? And Marnie and Ezen team have done an amazing job of putting some some really new incredible product in their hand. Cool. Well, stay tuned. Remember, you can go to golf.com and check out uh, you know, the, all the written pieces on this. We'll
3: have uh, some more on the wall-to-wall uh, coming this this next week. And, uh, Josh, thanks for your time.
4: Thank you. And hopefully we'll get out of here before anyone else interrupts us. But it is fun to be really in the mix at a tour event where all of a sudden one of the fitters comes up and wants yeah. to make a quick cameo. So <laughs> thanks right. again, RP.
3: Thank you.
0: And that'll do it for episode 192 of Fully Equipped. As always, if you want that gear goodness, check us out on our social channels. We are at Fully Underscore Equipped. On Twitter and at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. We might be having another channel coming up soon for Fully Equipped. That'll be fun. All right. Thanks as always for listening. See you next week.